you think to yourself, I will never put a computer in my mind, like a Neuralink or anything like that. You'll never do that. And like, they're like, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. And I'm like, 2029. Okay. 2029 is a Turing test where you're not going to be able to tell the difference between computer, like that, whether you're in the synthetic world or not. We spend tons of money to get an iPhone that's just a little bit faster than the last one and the last one. Once they can put technology somewhere in your body that can make you operate even two to 5% better than people that don't have it, you wait and see how many people start to adopt it. Let me run something by you and you got to tell me whether this would get stupid or not. But like one of the things I was going to run by you guys is just, these are uh, Ray Kurzweil types graphs. Uh, he was on Lex Friedman's show and I, what he he's an optimist, obviously with everything that's going on. And I had no idea with this stuff because I talk about it. It's just very easy to get all dystopian and all that stuff like that about how technology is going to impact society, let alone business and marketing. But like what he was showing here is, is that like as computation and as the stuff gets bigger, stronger, and faster, and it's actually not bigger, it's actually smaller, stronger, and faster. Um, a lot of the things that we really appreciate in life like go up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like extreme poverty goes down, right? Personal income goes up, literacy rates go up. Life expectancy goes up, threat of democracy goes up. I mean, you know, I mean, the expansion of democracy goes up. And the weird question is, why does this one feel <laughs> so? <laughs> like, is it just the science fiction element of Terminator and iRobot, or is like what? What makes this different? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, what's interesting, man, is like the narrative doesn't always like the general narrative especially when it gets into politics doesn't always match you know what the data says and like so you just said there i don't know go back to that one slide about poverty you're saying that poverty extreme poverty has gone down uh when, when does that uh well i mean what we're like? what we're seeing here right is extreme poverty has gone down um over the last 20 years you know, I mean, I think that these stats are very different, but I think, you know, I've been in the developing world and they don't have access to clean drinking water, but they actually have access to a cell phone. And in the cell phone, they actually have access to the first banking system they've ever got to have because they have these uh, virtual banks. So extreme poverty, are you saying like extreme poverty in the United States or worldwide? Oh, it no, says population think, of the world there. Okay. Yeah, it's popular. It's got to be population of the world. Yeah, interesting. Now, um, now, keep in mind that that a lot of this was just for me. It was just a macro analysis, of just trying to understand, hey, you know what? Like, I cannot get out of a room every time I talk about AI. I talk about this technology expansion. I think that the fear is the speed. Obviously, that it can do crazy, yeah. amazing, and wonderful things, but just how fast it moves. It's the unknown that scares me. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm not really scared. I don't, it doesn't scare me. I don't know. I, some people really? are scared. Some people, are, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm in the excited camp with AI, personally. Yeah. I saw the yeah. other day. Uh, it was a. Um, oh, you sent it to me. Uh, I was looking into it more. They uh, somebody did an experiment where they took Chat GPT and hooked it up. Uh, they like tr trained it on, you know, uh, how to code. They hooked it up to an AWS account. They gave it access to money through a bank account, digital bank account, and 
apparently it didn't take over the world. So uh, I think we're good for now. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> yeah, we've got two more weeks. Yeah. We're working on it. Two more weeks, you said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I brought that up in my tab group and uh, Mike Cupid, I don't know if you guys know him. He was, uh, he's like, well, you know what? I think what they missed was they didn't hook it up with a good business coach. So, uh, you know, if they uh, want my info, just, you know, send them my way. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's investing in Bitcoin and NVIDIA stock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. I just do think that some of the fear, obviously I was saying was that, you know, was the sheer speed, but um, Sean and I were talking, um, we were pre-gaming before this this thing and just kind of talking through a couple things. And I think one of the things that's also relevant though is, is that when you start to think about adding some deep fake technology into the mix, right? There was a thing on with Joe Rogan where this guy sold like a million dollars worth of like testosterone, like fake testosterone. Yeah. And he got a video clip of... Um, Joe Rogan talking to, I think I think it was Hubbard or one of these really big wellness guys. And the podcast was normal, but what he did is he spliced in a deep fake for only five minutes, five minutes, 30 seconds, where he deep faked both of the two people in the podcast. And they basically, Joe Rogan's like, but if you want to just have massive gains, you got to get this testosterone. And then the other guy agrees with them. They sold a million dollars because of, of fake, uh, not fake testosterone, but just a a testosterone product over Amazon, all born from like a, a, a 30 second segment. And what and what Sean and I were talking about is, is that you're they get trust- sued for that. Yeah, they're getting sued, I think. But the trust barrier, <laughs> it's it's like one thing. If I put out a Tom Cruise deep fake on you, like immediately you're like, yeah, something's off. But nobody watches Joe Rogan intently, like watches. They like listen and they mill and they listen to him as background noise. What they don't do is watch every single second. So once your trust barrier is down, <laughs> I mean, he literally can say anything. And I'm not going to like question, oh my gosh, was that snippet authentic? You know what I mean? And so when we think of the, the fear and the threat of deep fake and AI and stuff like that, I'm just always like, it's not going to be done. Here's the whole thing. Did I fool you? It's literally going to be something real and then 30 seconds of fake. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden yeah, we're not we're, even we're in the same bombing. room here for, for all we know sean's a deep fake on us right now yeah like, <laughs> looks it to me <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty of things i would fix if i was <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah anyhow but that's just one of those things is as i think that the subtlety and there's going to be really crafty people that are going to take advantage when all the noise is looking left and it's they're going to go they're going to turn right yeah, I think the deep fake thing definitely is potentially the most weaponizable technology, probably in the short term, even more so than AI. Yep. Uh, you know, I think that that deep fake technology is pretty powerful, pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, for a while there that you had to announce that you were doing it. And then all of a sudden they stopped doing that. Like that was like the decor was like on the bottom. You had to say made with deep fake technology. Mm. But who makes the deep fake technology? Mm. Adobe had something for a while, right? Do they still have that? It's a great question. It's a great yeah, question. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'm going to Google it. Yeah, the Tom Cruise ones are nuts. He had one with Tom Cruise and Paris Hilton, and you would think for sure that it was real. Yeah, that stuff is wild, man. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, your video went off, Sean. 
Yeah, I'm trying to mess with my. Uh, I got a green screen behind me. I'm trying to play with that. Yeah, all good. Well, let's keep rolling. I think we're in the podcast here. We got, we got some good stuff going. So uh, cool. I got something. Uh, Turn it back on. Did you so, find? Did you find the company that did the technology? No, I'm, you- I googled it, and there's like not really. All right, so there's a technology was developed by a London company called Synthesia, which markets its cheap alternative to live actors for training in HR videos. Yeah, I've seen that. Synthesia. I've seen that. Number one AI generated. Mm-hmm. I create videos from plain text in minutes. Okay, I'm going to put this one in my. Uh, my bookmarks yeah. here. There's, there's a bunch of those have been around for a while. Lumen Five and oh, I forget what the other one is. There's a couple of them, and so what they're what we're finding is is that there's people that Lumen are, Five. You said is it? Oh, yeah. I see it. Video Maker. Okay. So what they're doing is is they're using ChatGPT, writing a blog, then importing the text into these video makers. The video makers are using stock video. They're highlighting certain keywords and they're making videos in seconds. I mean, you could you could probably automate that to be honest. Like, you could you could build an app. Like, I, I could build this myself. Like, I could build an app that yep. basically, you know, you you uh, it hooks it integrates to the Ahrefs API. So you go to Ahrefs and say, all right, I want to compete with this company, mm-hmm. and and then it just does skyscraper SEO. It goes down all their most powerful backlinks, all their all their most powerful rankings, reverse engineers them, goes and like puts that into Chat GPT, gets like the the content written and then goes back and then puts it into a WordPress blog and then builds out the WordPress blog and then comes back and like, you know, takes the text and converts it into this, you know, this Lumen 5 or this, uh, yep. you know, Synthesia through API and then generates the video and then takes the video and uploads the video to YouTube and to other places. And like, literally you could build an app that just does all that. It would be a little bit, you know, it'd be a lot okay. of like API connections, but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, yeah, you could automate, I mean- uh, competing with you know any any yeah. website yeah you had me you had me I, I was trying to figure out the backlink angle that you were gonna do like what, what would be your backlink angle just um outreach or would it be yeah i mean you could do some outreach you could uh you know just use one of these services and just like you know drop them an email and say you know order me yeah. x amount of backlinks yeah yeah i think one of the the pinches that i always find on you know we uh, uh, I uh, I knew him before he was famous. A guy named Brian Dean, who's uh, uh, runs Backlinko, and um, a lot of the stuff he was doing was we. I used to kind of call it like internally, I'll call it like link begging, where you'd find the opportunity for a link and then you're emailing them and begging them and stuff like that. Please, please you know give I mean? me a like, link. I'm going to bring value, and then please give me a backlink. Ironically, it's 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 way easier to do that than actually earn the link. Um, and so he's got a he's got a lot of merit to that. But what I noticed is over the years, everyone that takes his course, I get backlink beg requests all yeah, the time. Yeah, I get a ton too. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Um Yeah, but uh, yeah, this this could I mean it's getting it's getting pretty serious here, man. Like you can kind of automate if you know I, I don't know if it could be done as like a sassable solution for any industry because there might be too much nuance to it. I, I could be wrong. Maybe it could be. Yeah. But uh like for sure, you know, me as like a developer and uh you know like kind of like a, a business hacker kind of you know person mm-hmm. i could build out a piece of software that just automates like spinning up an entire website with hundreds or thousands of pages of content generating yep. backlinks generating you know video content text content visual you know imagery content and just like mm-hmm. have the whole thing spun up through automation 
and that's and that's the threat of to my industry in the aspect of a lot of companies will use what we call a VOD approach or a long tail keyword approach. And the, the the basis of why long tail would work is is that the large majority of forward keyword phrases basically have no competition. There's no one that wrote anything like that. But if you can create a mill that's doing it in automation, all of a sudden these keywords that had low competition, if we have a billion, you know, if you have a bunch of mills going out, we're literally writing for every long tail keyword under the sun, all of a sudden you have competition in areas that did not exist before before AI. Dude, know? this is a perfect segment into one of my topic ideas. So yeah. you just you just teed this up for me. So uh, <laughs> the other day I was driving. Uh, no, sorry. The other day I, I got a, I got a speeding ticket in the mail and uh, opened up the speeding ticket and uh, and they had like a picture of my car and then there was an officer that like signed it and said on behalf of this technology I'm signing this speeding ticket and issuing this ticket to you. So some guy yeah. just sitting at a desk like signing automated speeding yep. tickets. It was up. I was like, you know, it was like 5 a.m. I was driving up to go to the Delaware Water Gap and go hiking. Uh, You know, they they got me on the Roosevelt Boulevard. Uh, So then on the ticket, it said, uh, go to violationinfo.com to pay the speeding ticket. So then I go, I was like, went to go pay it. But then I was like, hmm, who owns Violation Info? It was like a really generic like (laughs) payment page. Like there's no branding or anything. So I was just, I started doing like, who is? And this company called Vera Mobility uh owns it they're a publicly traded company they're a one billion in revenue they have over a thousand employees jeez uh they also make like they you know they they make uh you see them all over philly those buttons that beep on the traffic lights and like the don't block don't block the block box technology they make the signs don't block don't block the box they make the red light cameras they make the speeding cameras they make all these like you know bike lane enforcement technology and uh, they literally have like this machine, like this mill that just creates tickets. And then someone has to, like some officer that's like an officer of the law has to like stamp it, I guess. Like that's probably yep. some legal compliance thing. But yeah, like they've they've like what we're talking about doing with automating website development. They're doing that with automating mm-hmm. traffic enforcements. Yep. Yeah. You know who does that too? Getty Images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they employ more lawyers than they do photographers in their network. The machine learning basically scours the internet, scrapes the internet every single day, and uh, they have the software scanning for watermarks. That if you have that photo and don't know that watermark, it sends it over to a lawyer who's just like stamp, 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 stamp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right now, tickets. Then what? Then what you do? is you negotiate your fine with them. Every single time that I've ever been whacked on a photo like that, as soon as I talk to them, I get them down by 50, 50 cents on the dollar. Because they know that the amount of time they go back and forth and back and forth, I, this is just this has just been doing this over 22 years. The number one thing to do is keep talking to them and keep talking to them and keep talking to them. Because there's something in the legal statement that basically says, if you're in negotiation or whatever that is, um, that basically they can't do a verdict, that they can't do these things, or they can't force force litigation. So if you continue to talk to them, it stays open, and they have a ratio of the amount of hours they can spend per violation. So if you talk to them for fifty years of saying, "Well, well, well I have five hundred dollars. What if I paid you four ninety nine? What if I paid you four ninety eight? I'm like, I'm gonna play this game all day <laughs> because I know that the meter's running for you. <laughs> you know, that's a pro tip, man. That's that's yeah. like excellent intel there. <laughs> yeah, just it's crazy, right? Anyhow, so 
you were saying though, and I want to try to think that through. How did you get, you were talking about connecting the dots and then you were, you know, you got whacked with a ticket. What other technology, what did that make you think that one was talking to the other that was talking to the other that was talking to the other? Yeah. So it's just automated. So they have like hardware. So this company installs the hardware and then uh, it takes a picture of the traffic. It takes, you know, it has a, uh, you know, whatever miles per hour, whatever yeah. radar gun or whatever you call this thing. So they, they track, they clock your speed. And then mm-hmm. they have, when a vehicle surpasses the speed limit, they have a camera that captures, they have two. So they got my face and they got the back of the car. And then they yep. did like some image optimization to zoom in on the license plate. And then they yep. did, they do OCRs and then they take the OCR and they take the license plate data. Yep. And then they do yep. a reverse lookup in the license plate data database. And they grab yep. my name, my address, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And then they send that to some like queue where there's an officer that just sits at a desk all day and just stamps these things and says, yep, that's a ticket. Yep. That's a ticket. Yeah. And, uh, and then, and then that, and then it goes and it gets sent somehow to the USPS and they mail it to me mm-hmm. and there's a code on there. And then I put the code into this website they built violationinfo.com, And I put the code in there and then it pulls up my ticket and shows me the picture of me and the picture of my vehicle. And then it says, Oh, Hey, we accept Visa, MasterCard, American Express, discover. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, put in my credit card info, they process the payment and, you know, wham, bam, thank you for your business. Imagine if they're doing that for texting while driving. Like we wouldn't have to pay taxes anymore. They'd have so much money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that rule about texting and driving, right? There's two people in this, there's two people in this world. There's people who text while they drive and others who lie. Oh yeah. (laughs) You know, it's unfortunate. I know how dangerous it is, right? But like my car auto drives and like, I'm just like, I can do this and not be a threat to humanity. You what do you got a Tesla? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, but still like I spend an hour, two hours a day on the, on the turnpike. It's like nearly impossible to just be like 10 and two. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not going to happen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So well, uh, I want to get a pen real quick. Cause you brought I've, everything you said. I had five other topics to talk about. So give me yeah, I know. That's how these things go. Uh, you got something, Sean, you want to take the next topic? Yeah. Are we, are we recording right now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're already. Uh, we're, this is okay. how we roll. The agenda yeah, have no agenda, man. <laughs> trying to get a handle for that. <laughs> um, well, we talked a lot about AI and chat GPT. I mean, that's the popular topic these days, but I think what's most interesting to me is, the adoption curve there. We talked a little bit about that earlier. So I looked up how long it's taken the various most popular platforms to get to say 1 million users. And the next closest to ChatGPT is two and a half months and ChatGPT achieved a million users in five days, which is just insane to me. uh, Blows my mind. Yeah, I saw that text you sent on the group chat. That was a super sick uh, graph. I yeah, can't even. Number, I can't fathom that. It was number two. It was a video game. Two right? was Instagram, I think. Two and a half months, uh, and yeah, then it okay. got progressively higher from there, like almost exponentially. Like, though someone told me it was like Pokemon Go was real high. Oh, too. really? Yeah. yeah I mean, that, and the, the staff from Instagram was like twelve years ago or something like that. So there's got to be yeah. something else in between there. But yep. still, I mean, to achieve that many users that fast is insane. I think that's yeah. where the that's partially where the fear comes from. The other one that is super interesting that I saw. I don't know if you guys saw this, but. From ChatGPT, I think it was either from three to four or three and a half to four, basically the latest version. 
has taken the probability of being able to pass the bar exam for lawyers from 10% yeah. to 90% exactly. in one version. Wow. Yeah. And AP biology as well. What? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't. There so, is, I there is one now. recently. Uh, I don't know. You guys ever hear Nikita Beers? Mm-mm. I don't think so. He launched Nikita. two apps back to back. One, I, I forget what they were called, but if you Google them, Nikita Beers, you'll find them. Uh, both of his apps got like, they they like rose to like millions of users in a quick time and then got crushed in a quick time. The last one, it, like he basically targets uh, like school kids, like middle school and high school kids. Yeah. Uh, and they basically, it's like one of those apps where it's like someone says you're cute or someone says you're hot or like you're yeah, the most exactly. beautiful person in like upper elementary school or whatever, middle school or whatever. And <laughs> sounds uh, all kinds of risky. <laughs> yeah. So their strategy is that they, they go and they create an Instagram account for each each individual school i think they do it programmatically and then they go and they they like everybody in the whole school and then but their account's private and then they wait to uh they wait until like they have a certain percentage of the school and then they just accept all the invites at once and -hmm. just send all the traffic to their app and uh and then everyone goes on and starts voting who's who's popular or whatever and then it just starts sending out notifications it's one of those network effect apps and it grew to like millions of users it, like in days, yeah. it was a matter of days. It grew to millions of users, and then rumors started spreading. Uh, Nikita Beers, if you follow him on Twitter, he starts talking about how he thinks the rumors are coming from some Chinese like bite dance or something. Uh, but uh, yeah. TikTok or whatever that he thinks TikTok or bite dance is, is spreading the rumors. But uh, yeah. the rumors are that if you use the app, then you'll get followed by a white van who's going to abduct you. Interesting. Doesn't take much, does it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, um, in my mind, as soon as as soon as the chat GPT, which will probably in, be in five, will do a decent enough picture where it would say, give me a hundred social media posts and a hundred supporting images to that sp- social media post, right? multiply that by fake Instagram accounts that are interconnected to one another, right? Through a a really sorted out VPN. All of a sudden you just launch something. And then as long as those fake Instagram accounts were constantly going out and getting more people and getting more people, the virality of that all synthetic, it's just, you could see how easy that would be, right? That's what keeps coming into my mind is like, how, where, how do you control this to any extent? Like what's to stop this from just, you know, crushing the internet essentially. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like smoking is good for you. Multiply that by a thousand posts and write it to your chat GPT, write that 700 times in 500 different ways. Right. Here's, here's 10 fake doctors that all support my claim. You know, and, yeah, I don't know. Yep. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, it's going to be wild to see. And that's the thing. I think it's the speed. The speed to me is the most, striking thing so far of how fast it's making progress and i think i think we're also entering into a new gold rush for people to create SaaS applications and things like that in my world i see a ton of folks i see the biggest problem i see is people shipping solutions to problems that don't exist i see that all the time right i've done it myself my first software product that i built was like that now i see the same thing happening but on an entirely different level so like reddit and a few other online communities that i participate in I just see mm-hmm. people cranking out these ideas and these products and they're getting mm-hmm. further, but the results, the comments and the feedback are all the same. It's like, 
why did you build this? This exists. That's better. This is cheaper. This is faster. <laughs> There's still like not a ton of validation going on before people are like, I'm going to go immediately from this crazy idea I have to ship this product. And then, it, but it's just the frequency is, is a lot more intense. But as people get that more refined and dialed in, it's going to be pretty well. I think we could see an intense wave of innovation come from mm-hmm. this single source which, you know, I know economically we've been kind of a rough patch recently, especially with the banking activity lately, but I could see this single innovation essentially like saving the American economy, which would blow my mind. You and I talked about that. Like exactly. Clinton balanced the books because of the World Wide Web was born. Right. You know, it's like it, it it does have, I mean, eventually. Facebook how does that work? Break, break that down. Like, do you guys have a thought on how that would work? Well, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's almost like the iPad. It's like all of a sudden you have a sector of a problem that didn't exist and tons of money floods to it, solves a big problem in the ecosystem. And then all of a sudden, because it's this chapter, everybody sort of runs to it to monetize. I mean, it's it's kind of like what the dream of some of the utopian web 3.0 stuff is, right? You but you're, you're talking about chat GPT specifically, like, you know, unleash it on the, on the debt. Like, are you saying for, to yeah. analyze the federal debt to like figure out a better financial plan? Or are you saying leverage no, it no, no, like no, tax, no, no. tax revenue? No. no, that it just generates enough income that if I'm, dude, now I'm yeah. talking for you, but like, it's like you created this whole new sector, a new way that businesses can monetize, right? Um, yep. It's just, it's how you can explore the API. I don't totally. think this is it. Right. I don't it like it doesn't have the clear channel of the way when you were d- selling brick and mortar stuff and then you went to the web and now you have e-commerce. That was just something that just didn't exist before. What I don't understand is how AI could turn into monetization for the common man, the common person. You would have to have some significant coding to understand how to leverage well, I don't, so, API to turn it into Yeah, I, I don't I don't think way. AI is like if if you hear if you hear about it, then it's not it, it it's just like it's just like huff and puff or whatever. It's you know it's just kind of blowing smoke. I, I think AI when it's used properly, it's integrated into a product so smoothly and so discreetly, you don't even know that it's AI. Like you know, I was talking on our chat thread earlier, our text, our group text earlier today about how like the first like really public implementation of AI that we saw was the autocomplete that Google launched. So when you start typing a sentence on Google search, it fills in all the answers for you and shows you the most popular searches. And that was like the first iteration of machine learning or like AI that we saw in a public setting that I'm aware of. There are are probably others, but that's like the biggest, most common one. And uh, like, that's an example of a feature that's like so integrated into a core product that you don't even really like, you don't know it's AI. You don't have to think about the fact that it's AI. It's just part of the product experience. I think that's fair. I think my argument is AI makes it easier to build those kind of tools. So whatever someone, however someone wants to innovate, you need to do a lot less heavy lifting in order to have a solid foundation and a product that can really do some pretty remarkable things. Like you said, Brian, essentially obfuscated, like the details are obfuscated from the user when it's implemented probably most effectively but if you're building it off of chat gpt for whatever your use case is you probably need to do a whole lot less engineering in order to get that product built to do more impressive things faster and i think the economic output and productivity from that could be just like an exponential increase in what we've seen recently i think that as a foundation chat gpt 
could create a ton of economic, it could become like a sector. <laughs> Just with yeah, I mean, like everything yeah, that's I'm tied using, to that. uh, I'm using Copilot, uh, which is, uh, it's like open AI integrated into, uh, you know, like uh, yeah. integrated development environment. So you just write some comments for awesome. what you want yeah. your code to do and just hit tab and it just writes the code. And most of the time it's it's mostly accurate enough that you either need to make no changes or just like tweak it a little bit. And it'll it'll punch out like 50 lines of code at a time. So how much time is that saving you relative to what you had to do before? Yeah, Thanks. a good developer can, you know, five, maybe 10x their time because first Wild. of all, you know, if you don't have to type, so how much time is it actually saving you typing? But also on top of that, you probably need to like think through all that mm -hmm. stuff. Like there's loops and variable definitions and like, you know, formulas and calculations and returns and all sorts of stuff that's happening in a function. And if you just sit there and type it, then you have to think it. You might have to go reference documentation. If you're integrating with an API, you might need to go look at the API docs. Uh, and it just like, puts it out there for you. it just does it for you wild Did you ever use i mean oh. i imagine you've used stack overflow before like i when i was writing code that was that was probably wrote most of my code for me <laughs> but i had to do a lot of time a lot of homework to figure out like what i was research. getting wrong have you done yeah. since you've been using that have you how much of that kind of stuff have you been doing can, can i ask you a question real quick though what yeah. about clean what about cleanup so like when i dictate into a phone and i say i i was texting to you both and I'm going to text and I'm just going to write five sentences. Before I send it, I look at it and then I, I go to my phone and I clean it up. So I'm like, oh my gosh, man, I just wrote three paragraphs in two seconds. I'm like, no, it actually took me 10 seconds to clean it up, which is about five seconds faster than me typing it in. And so like, what I always wonder is, yeah, it makes it efficient, but then you have to double check your work or you have to proofread your work. And so my question is, after you've done the proofing and other stuff, did it save you 10x? Did it give you 10x? Or did it give you what felt like was 10x, but then when you add the editing time and proofreading time, it gave you 5x? Where 5x is an amazing accomplishment. I mean, let's, uh, let's try it real quick. Uh, so I have a PHP yep. storm pulled up here. This is a WordPress functions.php file. So we can just say like, uh, yep. you know, uh, let's see. Swap variable. Right. Uh, <laughs> Function or wait, we can just say um, function that adds a uh, breadcrumbs above the uh, content of a page. So then. Let's see. Oh, uh, you know what? I might have uh crap. I might have turned off uh copilot. Whoops. Totally neutralized them. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. There we go. I see what's going on. Chris, I got uh, something that's um interesting related to your question that I've started doing. Uh, whenever I would type uh, in here we go, guys. Said, Check this out. Sorry, man. Okay. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So that's okay. All, all this just spit out for me automatically. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So how much of that to Chris's question, like how much of that do you have to go back, evaluate, modify, whatever? So it, for some reason, I didn't close some of these. Um, didn't close. Yeah, see, it's like still not closing some of these, but I'm just I'm just like accepting everything it's saying right now. And we'll see where it ends up. All right. So I still need to close this if statement here. 
and then the function and yeah, I'd have to yeah, I mean honestly this I'd have to test it, but it looks reasonably accurate to me. So to type that out in theory, let's pretend like you're in a vacuum here. How long would it take you to do that in the old way? I mean, I'd probably just go Google it and grab a grab a block and modify it. So, but if I had to type this out, if I didn't find something somewhere that gave me this, then yeah. it would probably take me uh, to write all this, maybe like an hour. Yeah, you know, so that definitely 10xed. Yeah, um, it's unbelievable. And I think part of the problem too is like you got to think through how you want to structure it, the things you needed to do, all of that as well. Also, make sure it all works well gives you yeah. great bones i feel like that and that's an indicative i think of the speed like how much faster we're going to be able to build stuff or like yeah. you don't need to do everything the thing that i always had beef with when it came to like creating software is everyone's reinventing the wheel all the time like everyone's got their own auth module everyone's got their own billing thing and like apis and like code and modules and stuff like that started to make that a little bit faster but still people would like you know and hashing algorithms all this kind of stuff i think what's really interesting about this is like brian just demonstrated is you can almost build an application more like with Lego blocks instead of going like piece by piece, which mm -hmm. is cool. Yeah, I, I would agree. I want to do one experiment with you guys as well. Just give me a second here. I want to see whether this is going to work. So I want to try it on Bing. Ask me anything. All right. So uh, write me a quick blog um, on how hard it would be to fly to the sun. And as this is cooking, so this should be working here. All right, search. I haven't tried, uh, this is basically just ChatGPT implemented into Bing, it, right? Exactly. All right. Okay, so I, mean, I haven't tried it in Bing yet. I just tried Bard yeah. though. I just got it in, accepted into the Bard pre-trial. Uh, yeah. Pre so this right here isn't a blog. This isn't what I was hoping for. So let me just kind of show you what I would do it in ChatGPT, and I'll show you one of the challenges that I was hoping for. Maybe it's it's different. Let me make sure that I'm on I'm on four. Hold on a second. So ChatGPT four, and I'm just like write me a quick blog on how hard it would be to fly to the sun. Okay, now watch. I don't care about what is writing here. Here's what I want to, here's what it wasn't able to do. And I think that you're going to be able to do this very quickly in the future. So what you are noticing, <laughs> what you are noticing here though, right, is as it's typing it out, if I was on ChatGPT 3.5, the speed that it's writing is about four times slower than it was on 3.5. Yeah, I noticed 3 .5, that too. It was like lightning fast. But I mean, the amount of nodes that they're going through to make sure it's accurate is probably 10 times greater. Hmm. You know what I mean? But let me just see here real quick. I'm just going to let it cook just for a couple seconds. And so here was the backstory on why I'm kind of showing this is when this is done, what I'm going to say is I'm going to say, can you find me five Shutterstock images to support this blog? And so it does. But then when I click on the links and I click on the image summary, the links, the links don't work. They're 404s. And when I put in the image IDs that it's about to show me, they they were fake image IDs as well. But what I'm very interested in is what they keep saying about all this blog content is like, you got to bring value, you got to bring value. And so 
like dorks like me are like, well, we're going to put great imagery. We're going to put good stats and we're going to do all that stuff. But I'm like, how close are we really before this output here isn't just text only, you know, that it, it, it basically forms a deal with Shutterstock to just have the, the watermark on all those images. And then all of a sudden you just buy them from Shutterstock. Like it's going to take. Or so- Dali, man. They just make Dali good enough. Yeah. Well, that's my other joke that I have written down. I did a Dolly. I did a couple of stuff with Dolly, and every guy I had in the warehouse was of doing it for manufacturing was as cross-eyed as you could ever imagine. They would look like they were like, like, "Hey, you guys <laughs> from uh, Goonies." <laughs> they looked horrible. <laughs> All right, so, so let's yeah, it's, it's bad at facial let's, features. Yeah, True. let let's stop this here real quick, and then we're gonna say, "Find me." Five shutter stock images to support this blog. Okay, this is the standard disclaimer. Oh, no way. Last time I literally gave you the IDs last time. Yeah, gave me IDs and links, like URLs and links. Oh wow, links too. And those yeah. links were those links all and bad, it, you were saying? And they were all bad. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know whether it learned or whatever that is. Um, hold on for a second. That's an interesting thing about neural networks conceptually. Yep. So like we're not really gonna know how it got the answer it got sometimes. It's called, it's called black box. Wild. Yeah, the black box they don't element. Give the answer. Yep. Right. That's that's super interesting. I explored yeah. the accounting space a while back and this technology has got the ability to essentially like eliminate the need for an entire practice within accounting, which is audit, where you go back historically and like, you know, evaluate what happened and make sure that everything was like uh, up to stuff. But that could be done proactively at all times now. But the problem is you're really not going to be able to prove it, <laughs> which is pretty wild. Well, or even getting the same answer twice. So like, for example, right. like see how it says, I can't do that. I'll show you screen grabs of literally when it did it for me last week. Didn't work, but I mean, that's, that's just one of those things. What you were saying is, is that you have the black box, but how do I even get the same answer twice? So Brian goes, right. Brian and I work for each other and he's like, oh my gosh, the answer to get to the sun is this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, cool. Well, let me ask ChatGPT, And it comes out with a nuance different. And then we didn't think, well, the distance is different because he's actually five degrees south than what I am in where I'm at in Philadelphia or something like that. You know what I mean? Yep. So the consistency of the answer, when it's in a Google search result, the answer is the answer mm-hmm. in theory. In the chat GPT, when it, when it develops the answer from scratch each time, you don't know what you, it's like a very far scum moment. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Pretty wild, man. It's super uh, interesting. What about the search engines and how they process the AI generated content? What's the latest on that? Cause that, that was fascinating to me because mm-hmm. at the same time, like Google's like, they see this as a threat to them, obviously. I mean, I'm interested to see how that plays out, but then they're working on Bard and it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> which yeah. side of this argument are you on, bro? <laughs> well, they're going to put it right next to the rich, to the, the rich text snippet at the top. Yep. So like, if you were to type in how far is the sun into Google, you would get a rich text snippet at the at the top that answers your question it's something i call quasi you know, like questions with answers and simple information right next to that would be chat gpt or question, bard, i'm sorry that's what i meant bard 
cool. um, or it's the LLM model, whatever. Anyhow, the, the question that I sort of have though is, is that if they put a secondary query bar right under Bard, are people going to scroll down? Uh, the, the main thing that I have found with this whole thing is, is that ChatGPT came out, it forced Google to play their hand. And why in the world would Google want to abandon something that they had a whole stranglehold on the monetization of Google ads? So like the fact that Bard is out has nothing to do with, oh, the technology is ready. It was like ChatGPT came out, we were losing market share, and now we have to respond. Now well, we even have- from our uh, fr- from our thing this morning, uh, our, our group chat, uh, you know, Google invented literally mm-hmm. the machine learning algorithm yeah. that OpenAI is built on. Like they they built yep. that at, in Google Brain. And in two, they started they started coding that in 2011, and they spun it out as open source. I think it's 2015, if I remember the dates right. Yep. And uh, so they open sourced it, and then I think what uh, OpenAI came out in 2016. So one year later, OpenAI came out, and that was when it was a nonprofit, and it had a billion dollars in donations from Elon Musk. And I don't know why, like I don't know what's going on under the hood, but. I think the public story is that Elon Musk didn't want Google to have a monopoly on machine learning. So he gave the billion dollars to Sam Altman to uh, fund the you know, development of open AI and train models and use the open source technology available. There's another one called uh, PyTorch, but uh, TensorFlow is the standard. Yeah. And I've heard that the, the cause was originally noble, that it was supposed to be responsible AI driven, you know. And then it was basically the, the, it was supposed to be like the, 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 the counter to companies that are going to use AI just for profit, that this would be the responsible use of it. They just came out first. And then all of a sudden they were given $20 billion. <laughs> it changes your nobility very quickly. 20 billion, I'm sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, what can you do, man? It's 20 billies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that I just think that's going to be interesting though is when you were showing when we were talking about the AI at work, is is that you're using uh you just named it not copilot. In theory, you're like, hey, in Teams, Brian and I were talking about this this topic, and he mentioned some numbers. Can you please put that into a spreadsheet? And then from the spreadsheet, you can say, well, why is that number going down? What are the metrics that make that go down? Can you sandbox an initi- a, a scenario where it would make that curve go up? Okay, great. Send me that email every three weeks to see whether the actual numbers are going up or down. Put that into a presentation. Put that into an email. And it's all dialogue-driven prompts. That's the term that I've been hearing that they call it is like dialogue-driven. Like You're not using the interface or anything like that. I was doing literally using Copilot where you just say what you want and it just bounces from software to software. And these are such early days, man. It's, totally. it's you know, it's going to be a bizarre world where you can. It's going to be wild, man. I could see like the potential to replace administrative assistants, all kinds of people on your team that typically do this work that require input, getting the results faster. I'm really yeah. interested to see what that's going to do for the workforce, like what type of disruption the workforce is likely to expect from it. Does it lift everyone up? Does it? you know, replace a bunch of folks, like who, what happens to uh, people that were doing things that now the AI could do better, faster, cheaper. It's, it's, it's going to be bizarre. Now in, in the ideal sense, 
it's like the calculator never made an unemployed accountant. So you're hoping that the layers of things we never got around to, you know, it's like we're going to start on the second floor. That's the hope. Yep. But I think that the speed from which this thing's, I think people are going to do jobs that they never dreamed of, like that we've never dreamed of as a society. I think that's the given. But are there that many dreams? <laughs> <laughs> right. We you need to invent I mean? more dreams. <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, like one of, one of the things that I have here, so just give me one second here. I'm going to share my screen. Sorry if I'm stealing your show here. Uh, uh, no, you're good, man. All right, cool. Give me one second here. So obviously my company is called Ferrotech. And all right. So this is my This right here is my YouTube page. I have my digital marketing masterclass podcast. And then I have the lessons that I do internally, staff members and stuff like that. I've had Brian on the show a couple of times. This is things I've done from like stage work. You know what I mean? But what's with all of this stuff, right? You can see a clear graphic design built into all of my thumbnails and stuff like that. And so what I'm wondering is how soon it is when you think about the value of what I just said about Copilot, it's like, all right, in AI, I'm going to dream up what my core brand is going to look like, or I'm going to import what my core brand is going to look like so that my guest speaker is the big, is the big circle. And then my co-host and I are the small circle. And this is what I want my H2 text to look like. This is where I want my logos. And then all of a sudden, like as you create these rules, you're going to literally be able to do something like Copilot where or ChatGPT, you're like, write these five blogs and then all of the images that come through follow these rules in these directions. And so not only is it, am I writing all this content, all my designs look consistent. And just in some dialogue prompts, I'm multiplying these things that are taking my graphic designers, you know, hours to do, and we're going to do it in seconds. You know what I mean? Like all five of these, all six of these people here, right? What if I could just create, after I created the first one, I create all five of those just simply by saying, yeah, now multiply that and grab everyone's headshot from LinkedIn. I'm trying to remember the name of the company, but there's a company that's, uh, they haven't even launched anything yet. And I think they've raised like a couple hundred million dollars. Uh can't remember the name of the company, but basically what they're saying they're going to do is um, they're saying that they're they're going to create task-oriented AI where you can give it instructions like, uh, you know, go input this data or like go scrape data off this website and put it into this spreadsheet or, you know, go uh, search, you know, Craigslist and find me the best uh, bike yeah. that's for sale or something under a thousand dollars or. Yeah, it's like marrying if this, then that. Oh, I just remembered it. It's adept.ai. A-D-E-P-T. Adept.ai. And their their model is called Act One. So I mean, did what I just say sort of make sense? Like if this then that combined with AI? Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's literally, literally exactly what they're doing. But they don't have a product yet. They're just talking about it. So we'll see if they actually do it. I know, man. It's, it's, I mean, just some of the things you were talking about with um, some of your your follow up, um, 
your zombie project. I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to give any, keep that, <laughs> right? Like that was just your dream of like, if you could connect a couple, if this, then that's multiplied by chat GPT. Yeah, that's a little bit more API driven. Whereas this is like, uh, this adept is like, control your keyboard, control your desktop environment. But there's already, I mean, the API driven stuff is already happening. I mean, look at Notion. Uh, if you use Notion for documents, uh, they have, they have, I'm sure it's open AI integrated into their platform and you can do AI tasks right inside of Notion now. So there's already like API driven AI stuff happening. Yeah, I saw that as well. A bunch of products are uh, implementing it. And I was surprised by the speed that they were able to implement features. Even some of these, I know they're tech companies most in most of these instances, but they're getting features updated and into the product experience relatively quickly. I think that also speaks to the ability to kind of leverage this tool so quickly. It's cool. Yeah. I think we're also probably likely to see, similar to like previous evolution, is a lot of people probably getting funding for slapping AI on, AI on everything, um, AI yeah. catch up dispenser, like whatever, <laughs> <laughs> similar to like cannabis and blockchain and, you know, previous where we saw like crazy ebbs and flows for something that was new. And then the gold rush happens. Um, some stuff materializes, some stuff doesn't. But, but you and I were talking about what a gasoline on fire thing it would have been if Obviously, right now, money is absolutely not free, but two years ago, money was free. Oh, my goodness. If could you imagine? Land, if, you, if this had landed when money was free, right. all you'd have to do is just put AI on your license plate. And you're like, I'll give you a million. <laughs> Get that guy gold bars. Exactly. You drive That's around in wild. circles using AI. Such a good point. <laughs> so <one>. true. It's <laughs> wild. All right, guys, let's let's move to a new topic. I think we uh, yeah. hit this AI one. Uh, do, do one of you guys want to do a topic? Or if not, I got one. I got one. Yeah, go for uh, it. Have you heard about Cruise? No, what's that? Cruise is the first self-driving car uh, system. It's a, a robo-taxi. If you can look it up, do me a favor and share your screen and just look up Cruise. Um, how do you spell it? Just how you think. C-R-U-I-S-E. Do robo-taxi San Francisco. Boom, here you go. Self-driving autonomous vehicles. That looks like the Google car. Yep. And so that is a driverless taxi service in San Francisco that operates from 10 at night to 5 in the morning. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Interesting. No driver behind the wheel when it's active. Yep. That's wild. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, Wait, I think it's Waymo or something like that. Is there other competitor? I know Waymo too, yep. Waymo, yep. It's supposed to be in... It'll be in um, five other cities by the end of the year. So I think Cruise is actually in more than just SFO. I think they're in, uh, where are they? I think they're in like LA and a few other ones too. And my question for you is, is that when people are replaced at this rate, aren't people's jobs needed for taxation? Like at what point do you think that there'll be an AI tax or a, not an AI tax, a technology tax? Or if your services eliminate manpower, I mean, dude, you know how you know how slow the government is. Like they're already talking yeah. about it. You know, like remember when the whole Sam Bankman Freed thing went down, and you know, for like a month or two, he's like on Twitter, like the company's already collapsed, and like you know, the uh, bank, the banks were stepping in to like try to clean up the yeah. assets, and everyone's like, wait, why is this guy not arrested yet? And like you know, two months goes by before the regulators come in and arrest him, and. 
you know, start yeah. the court stuff starts going. So if they can't even like go arrest the guy for two months yeah. or whatever it was, you know, how it's going to take time for the regulators to come in. But I think yeah. they're going to come in and then they're going to be like extra heavy handed, like everything, because they yeah. don't know, like, you know, my my one friend runs a uh, a research facility down in South Philly. They do like uh, all sorts of uh you know, like <laughs> physics and chemi- you know, chemistry type research. I, I won't get too specific. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of government funding and they have to go through audits and these regulators will come in. And the way he describes it is they'll come in and they'll ask questions like this. They'll, they'll walk around, look around, and then they'll go, wait, are those shoes? <laughs> like that's, you know, like those, <laughs> those are the questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. They don't yeah, understand yeah. what they're doing. Question professional gridlock yeah so chris i'm curious with the driverless tech stuff i feel like this is what companies like uber have been waiting for like they were sure designed yep. to eventually implement this tech because i yep. feel like otherwise at least so far economically their model seems to hardly make sense right like not profitable made a ton of money obviously but there's a lot of subsidies going on from like government agencies and stuff like that in order to keep it moving it's become an integral part of society right like everyone depends many people depend on it at this point how do you see that picture developing from here in terms of this tech making its way to those companies? We got a couple different factors in there. And I'm trying to think what it was called. One of the things that you have is a, a social impact report. What I mean by that is obviously you have the easy low-hanging fruit is joblessness. But what happens? I'm trying to figure out, give me one second here. Um how many people in the USA die from auto? I guess is a hundred K. Yeah. An estimated 42,000 people die in car crashes, which is weird because my dad is pneumonia and there's actually more people that die from pneumonia than car crashes. Wow. It's, yeah. I de- yeah. Every dad's uh, are crazy high. I've yeah, definitely yeah, gotten a little yeah. better with like tech and safety and stuff like that. Yep. But let's pretend, right. That it's 50,000 people and it saves the lives of 90% of those because they're all on the same grid. So they're not banging into each other. Like we already have a population problem as it is. Like w- when you start fixing all of these things and you take out natural selection, <laughs> Darwinianism, and just sheer bad luck, like <laughs> do we get So really you're going to have really less quick? people with the ability to make money essentially doing that work and then you're going to be saving more lives so you're going to be hit twice <laughs> that's a good point actually i mean you know, that could like have a pretty dramatic thing. effect yeah yeah you guys ever seen idiocracy oh yeah i've heard about it yeah what what, what, what is on that okay, unpack that so it's about the future where uh you know basically it's like a couple a couple thousand years, a couple hundred years in the future and uh like what america's like and it's basically just people you know everything's automated and like ai powered and everyone has just become so stupid that it's just like all the like extreme you know ridiculous things wrong with society today are just amplified 10x or like 100x and everything that's everything that's uh that's good is gone like an example like that one of their crisis that they have is that they don't have any food because all the farms stopped working and the reason that all the farms stopped working was because there was this brand called Brando. It's basically like Gatorade, but it's called Brando. Yeah. And uh, they did this marketing campaign called Brando's got the electrolytes that plants crave. So all the farmers just started watering their crops with Brando and then all the crops died. And then everyone's like, but why are the crops dead? And they're like, 
uh, we need to give it more Brondo because it's got the electro lights. <laughs> <in it. laughs> yeah, I yeah, I'm gonna add that to the list. I love that stuff. There's an There's interesting one... topic there too. Um, along that thread was like and what i've heard about the younger generations it's like i know there's a you know age bias when it comes to tech and all that kind of stuff and for the most part like a little bit more challenging for um older generations to adopt newer tech and stuff like that and i just kind of expected that curve to continue but i think what i'm hearing as well too from the younger generations is a lot of the tech they're using just kind of works like you know apple slogan like it just works so when they're using an ipad or whatever if it doesn't work it sounds like from what I understand, there's not a lot of like the ability to know how to troubleshoot that because when they're using the tech, it just does whatever it needs it to do. And as such, like stuff that I guess I would take for granted having, you know, built computers and pretty much stuff almost never working and having to figure out how to reset all of it and get it working again is not as much of a thing anymore, which is like interesting. So that speaks to your point, Brian. I think uh, as tech continues to get better, I wonder if like troubleshooting skills begin to atrophy. I mean, Sean, yeah. I, let me ask you a question. You don't have to do it, but I don't want to make you look dumb, but could you do long division right now? If I did 4,321 divided by, not type it, by like 15,822. <laughs> I see him typing. <laughs> <laughs> Chat GPT, help me out I can do it I, I, longhand because I studied engineering, but honestly, yeah. I, most people probably could not even... I, 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 that has had to do it. <laughs> I know four. I know four phone numbers. When I was a kid, I was born in the eighties. Yeah. I knew everyone's phone number immediately. Like, true. I still had girls that I dated in middle school that I knew their phone number. You know what I mean? Like crazy, just yep. like stuff, right? Uh, directions. I used to go to people's house based upon my memory, not on GPS. Yep. Like, what happens if one day just the grid totally. went off? <laughs> right. Can't... No one can go anywhere. <laughs> no That's been a problem. That's no, on, on, on the worse. flip side of that. On the flip side of that, Chris, like you used to yeah. get way less content drilled into your brain on a daily basis. Of, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but people just so, like I think Chris, to your point, is like people. Oh, I I think the the pattern that people have seen is that like you there's less of a desire to retain because you can access it whenever you want. So it's always there. If you just ask for it again, you'll get it again. As such, retaining it doesn't really become as important because it's instantly available pretty much from like any one of our devices at all times. Yeah. Yeah. We're already, uh, I heard Elon Musk say this on some podcast. It might have been a Joe Rogan one, but we're already cyborgs. We've got, uh, you know, we've got this device attached to us at all times. And it's, you know, even though we're not like directly interfacing it through our thoughts yet. Yep. Uh, we're just constantly interfacing with it. And it's an extension of our thinking, our actions, our ability to yep. process information, our ability to retain information, all that stuff is, you know, we're, it's, you know, we're already a cyborg. Yeah. And what Scott, Galloway said, what Scott Galloway says about that is, is that the metaverse, until the technology can be fixed and the glasses are actually comfortable and don't make you seasick, the metaverse will actually just be in your ear. And so you'll be wearing, and I've done this, I've worn earbuds and forgot that I even had them in, but I'm going to walk into a store and it's going to say, hey, the last time you were here, you bought a pair of jeans, you bought a medium, but you should have got a size large. And by the way, you know, this color blue, you have five color, you have five shirts in your, in your closet that all match this color blue and whatever it is. And what was the conversation that I had with my brother about 
I'm talking about Macy's or whatever. This is pretending like we actually go into stores again. So just humor me. Right? <laughs> Reminds me of Minority Report. Have you guys seen that movie with Tom Cruise? Of course. Bit older? Yeah. They would yeah. scan the uh, retinal scan. And then like yeah. saying Chris was like, welcome, Mr. Yeah. Smith or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like they know you exactly this, who you are. If it was geography driven and all that stuff, and it was just in your ear, and it was recording everything that you're saying all the time, right? Multiply that times co-pilot, right, Brian? And you're just like, hey. Oh, yeah. Who was the guy I was talking to that was talking about Cruise, the self-driving car? I was like, where was that? Oh, I was on a podcast. It's like, you are on a podcast on March 20th. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be too hard to do. It's going to be- you ever, ever seen that video game, uh, Horizon? They have like Horizon Forbidden West and Horizon Zero Dawn. It's on PlayStation. Uh, so it takes place, the storyline's amazing. It takes place a thousand years in the future uh, after the downfall of society and mankind. Mm-hmm. But there's like, you know- Man, like, you know, people are living in like tribes again, like tribal, uh, but they still have relics of technology from like a thousand years ago, like hologram technology and AI technology and supercomputers and data centers. But like most of it doesn't work, but there's still these like terraforming machines that are like inhabiting the earth and like, you know, rebuilding the earth and like fixing the sky and fixing the land and the water. So like the terraforming machines are still running. And the main character has this like thing called a focus in her ear that she can like, you know, interact with in like real space and it can do things in the real world. And like, she can hook into computers and like override data centers and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, like the downfall of society is all about, you know, all this stuff we're talking about in that storyline, but it's, uh, it's just so interesting to imagine like that world, like the storyline sounds so plausible. And there's like exact years on when things happen and you can go to like, you can go to like Las Vegas and then watch, you can like pick up old cell phones, like flip phones and, you know, smartphones and pick them up and like read people's texts and conversations from a thousand years ago. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting game. Yeah. Uh, so this is way out in left field and I promise I'm coming back. Um, theologically, the whole Adam and Eve story about like, why did God choose an apple, you know, to be like the whole Adam and Eve thing? And so the the quick answer to that was that apples historically have always been cheap. Uh, oh, did I lose them on theology? <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Look no, I'm just kidding. no, I'm just kidding. No, is is that apples will always be cheap, and so in theory, you would sell out God for the cheapest possible thing ever in existence, right? So, like if if God was asking you to be loyal because of some noble or some amazing thing that you really wanted, you're like, okay, good. So you made that trade because of something great. But the the, the, theolo- the theological lesson is that you will sell out God for the smallest thing in the world, even an apple. Well, I talked to a lot of college students and I'm like, so you think to yourself, I will never put a computer in my mind, like a Neuralink or anything like that. You'll never do that. And like, they're like, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. And I'm like, 2029, okay? 2029 is a Turing test where you're not going to be able to tell the difference between computer, like the, whether you're in the synthetic world or not. We spend tons of money to get an iPhone that's just a little bit faster than the last one and the last one. Once they can put technology somewhere in your body that can make you operate even 2 to 5% better than people that don't have it, you wait and see how many people start to adopt it. I have a I'm friend saying- who's like super, he, he's like, I don't want to be on the first list, but he's like, I'll be like number 1001 who gets the Neuralink installed. Yeah. I was like, dude, that's really freaking early, man. But you know. You you can do it and tell me how it goes. Yeah. What happens if <laughs> what, what if what if the nano if 
if the technology, according to Moore's law, and don't kill me on that one again, Brian, I got killed the last one. <laughs> is that every five years, it gets twice as cheap, twice as small, and twice as fast. Doubles every two years. Is it two years? I thought it was five. So, yeah, I just re- quick recap. So originally Moore's law was that uh, CPU and hard disk space would double every two years. But yeah. uh, now like now, like the you know media just assigns it to like whatever whatever thing is advancing the fastest, they just say it's Moore's law now. It's so funny too, because it's like when you have a space shuttle that goes to space and it's like 400 million thousand horsepower. We're like, we're still comparing it to a freaking horse. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right? you know what I mean? like a horse. <laughs> Anyhow, if that technology keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and then all of a sudden I'm drinking some man- some nanopods, and then all of a sudden I get a six pack because it controls my metabolism, it controls my muscle formation. And all of a sudden, aesthetically, I just don't age. Are you telling me that people are like, but there's a computer in my body, so I'm out. Like, I guarantee you, like, you will line up for this fountain of youth thing. I think it's going to get super politicized, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then there'll be like, uh, you know, like we'll have like the, a big divide of like the computer people and the non-computer yeah. people, like the purists. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that just like EPO with Lance Armstrong, Lance Armstrong was like, I had to use steroids because I wouldn't be on the tour if I didn't. You just wonder whether the people that are drinking the nanopods and that are have the Neuralink, right? <laughs> They're just going to outcompete everybody. And then you're going to have to by choice or you're just not going to get a job. It's wild, man. All right, I, I got a wacky one. Uh, Sean knows about this. Uh, so you'll you'll be hearing about this for the first time. I'm curious to get your reaction. So uh, you guys remember the fire festival? Oh, yeah. That blew up. So uh, that dude, Billy McFarlane, was the guy who put that on and like scammed out mm-hmm. all the investors and everything. So he, he got out of jail in March last year. And then he w- went off house arrest in September. And sometime around like September, I don't remember exactly when, but he was on one of my favorite podcasts, My First Million. So uh, I just cold messaged him on LinkedIn. I was like, yo, dude, you want to come on my podcast? And he gets back. And then we had this whole chat thread on LinkedIn. He's like, yeah, man, I'll come on. And uh, he's like, but I want a speaker fee. And I was like, oh, how much of a speaker fee? And he's like, "Uh, I don't know, maybe like $1,800 or like he gave me like a really specific number. It was like eighteen hundred and like some specific dollars or something, or I forget. But uh, I was like, "Man, that's a really specific number." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I ultimately didn't bring him on because I was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to pay a speaker." Sorry, no. but uh, no, no, it's so he's got a new uh, a new company now. It's called Pirate. It's spelled P Y R T, and it's basically the exact same thing as Fire Festival, but just smaller groups of people now. Yep. Did it work this time? <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> I think the yeah, court ordered the him that he's not allowed to do uh, conferences on islands or something like that. He has a very specific court oh, really? order that he's like not allowed to do like large public gatherings ever again. Or oh, really? Yeah, that's wild. But, uh, I, I will say their promotional videos looked amazing. Like if it actually was mm-hmm. going to be that, I usually don't get FOMO, but I would have if that actually happened because yeah. the promotional videos were fantastic for pirate. Now for Fire Festival. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you have you ever heard about this huge scams that they would have just even on Kickstarter? They would yeah. like there was a, there was a drone company. This was early drone. Mm. It was like this drone's going to follow you. It's waterproof. When it's in the water, <laughs> in the water, that. it like yeah. lives up and out. 
It does all you the would, stuff. Like, snowboard like, and it would follow you exactly. and take all some like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks like, so cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to do everything. That. Take it's my like money. for $800. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> 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 He's like $20 million. You're like, oh, by the way, none of that is real. <laughs> I remember that. I actually wanted to buy it. I was like, all right, I'm not going to explore it. But I was like, when this thing comes out, I'll just buy it for whatever exactly. it costs. Yeah. There was another one that was a digital like credit card, and it stored all of your other credit cards. So you just had one card, and you just press a button, and you could use whatever yeah. card wherever you wanted to. I wanted that yeah. one, too. Yeah. That was yeah, a scam, too? Yeah, it also failed. Man. Yeah. Was it, it was a just- scam, or did it fail? I mean, is there a huge difference? <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure. I think ultimately it never made it to market. Uh, I'm not sure which it technically qualifies as, though. But I would have bought it if it was real. I thought that I heard that Indiegogo and uh, what do you call it? Um, Kickstarter. Kickstarter do have like a legal team that they will go after you if they feel like you're frauding their 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 base. Well, they have to because if they don't, then they're not going to be a business anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all this takes is just one promotional video that's convincing. I mean, that drone, the three of us, we, we wanted to buy it. <laughs> Coolest video. Same thing, like Fire Festival. Oh, yeah. Like, oh my God, I have to be there or I have to buy that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like Fire Festival, if they would have just at the very end just been like, yo, guys, we tried our best. Uh, we really fucked up. Like, we're, we barely have any tents or food here. So just like bring, you know, bring like a backpack and a, a sleeping bag and like, you know, bring a bunch of cans of food and can openers. Mm-hmm and uh but ludicrous is going to be here and this is going to be like woodstock in 69 it's going to be like something that's talked about for decades so come be a part of it anyway but it's going to suck like we're going to rough it on on the ground for a little bit i think it still would have been like a huge party that people could have gotten on board with but the fact that they found out after they landed on the island that was the problem yeah Yeah, it's rough yeah hey i'm just looking at the time i actually got to start to like i need to uh close this down uh in, in, in a minute or two i got yeah no worries man well hey we uh we hit a lot of good stuff here so yeah great end on a yeah. bang and I could uh, do this i could do this every friday guys like, yeah right me too this is, so I, this is cool this is fun <laughs> i'll just yeah. uh we'll edit it and we'll just cut it out like right before the part that you said we yep. have to go so it just like ends really abruptly Make sure you keep the part right in where I ask, are we recording? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Any, okay. I got one last question to close on. All right. What's that? We're talking about our dystopian universe where, I don't know, everything's going to fall to, fall to, fall to shit. There used to be the movie called The Village. And do you guys remember The Village? I do. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, like it was in colonial times and then they climbed over a fence and it's in modern times. If you had to create the village and you had a time period that you had to live in before you could assure yourself that you wouldn't be swallowed up by the tech madness. Good question. Which one would you go to? I've got one answer to that, but there was yeah. some tech there. So I would pick the 90s yeah, and I'm prepared to make here. that argument. Where <laughs> <Same here, dude. laughs> you pick yeah. the same? That's wild. Yeah, there was yeah, a time I would, like I would want to be early nineties before early two thousands, where it's just like yeah. I, I don't and I I rack my brain about this all the time. I'm like, is it because of how old I was or like my circumstances yeah. at the moment? Is because life hadn't got quite so complicated. Anyway, yeah. there's a million variables, but yeah, that would be my choice. Talking early internet, you're talking disc man, CDs. What else we what else are we rocking in the nineties? Oh man, there's so many. There's so like ton of processed food <laughs> ipod I, I, do we have an ipod um, i think it was getting there yeah i mean like 
early 2000s that that was making yeah. making the rounds. Yeah. So once it gets out of the spin wheel, we're, you're off the island. But there was no like social media, you know, like yeah. heavy the, uh, the touch the touchscreen phones stuff like that. That wasn't intense yeah. by that at that point. So it yeah. wasn't heavy distractions from tech. There was like some yeah. uh, video game stuff. So like I think PlayStation One probably maybe around then, which was like you know blew us away then but it wasn't particularly impressive i remember being blown away by like nintendo 64 (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah uh what about you brian what 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 era i would be born in 1960 so that uh i could be in my 20s in the 80s and have fun in the 80s and then and then i'd ride through the dot-com bubble and the mobile era the mobile wave in my thirties and forties. So I could like, I feel like I, you know, I definitely missed the dot-com era. I wasn't even in business yeah. then. And then the mobile era, I was like, just, you know, I had just gotten started right before it. So uh, I just, I couldn't capitalize on either of those eras. So now this, this AI mm-hmm. era, like I can really sink my teeth into this one, but uh, those last mm-hmm. two, I would have, I would have been mm-hmm. on both those waves in my thirties and forties. But where, where is the tech cap? So Sean and I were saying in 1999, the tech stops in 99. So in other mm. words, you don't get to go and live. You don't get to, it's not a reset button. It's literally, you have to live in this land where the tech cap. Dude, you can make a billion dollar company making websites in HTML back then. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even shitting you, man. Like there was like, there was like, I know you probably do that now. <laughs> web, web design agencies were like billion dollar valuations in 99. And they were just yeah. like a bunch of people like writing yeah. HTML. Yeah. Craigslist. Wild times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, this was cool. so much fun. If you Agreed. do it again, I need to be here. This is awesome. 